Do you remember when this war in Ukraine started? The, the, the world almost stopped. It was, it was relentless 24-hour coverage on cable news. It was uh, all you'd hear about on the radio. It was the front page of every newspaper for, for every day for weeks. Then it got a little less coverage and a little less coverage and a little less. Now you barely hear about it. I bring it up with people, including some colleagues. The reaction is, oh, I'm tired of talking about it. Now, there are just as many people dying. There are just as many people losing their homes. There are just as many people becoming refugees. It's just as bad as ever. Unfortunately, it's not just as bad as ever. It's worse because when whether it's weaponry, whether it's funding, whether it's getting more and more nations involved – there, we're just getting deeper and deeper into this conflict. There was a time when we wouldn't even, we the United States, wouldn't even think of sending missiles because it would be inflammatory. Well, we got over that. Then it was tanks. Now we're at cluster munitions. Cluster munitions, which scores of countries around the world ban. Both sides are apparently using this. In uh, Ukraine, somebody that has been a sane and sober voice within academia and beyond on this issue has been Dr. Jeffrey Roberts. He is a historian, a biographer, a political commentator and author whose latest book is Stalin's Library, A Dictator and His Books. Dr. Jeffrey Roberts, welcome back to the program. Hi, Frank. Good to talk to you again. It's great to talk with you. As far as you analyze the current situation in Russia, in Ukraine, how has this war gone so far? How has it hurt the Russians? How has it hurt the Ukrainians? And if, by extension, the world? Well, well it, 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 it's uh, both the Ukrainians and the Russians very badly. I mean, as you said um, uh, just a minute ago, you know, the war is a great tragedy and it's getting worse. Um and that applies to, to both sides, not just to Ukraine, but, but to, to Russia as well. Uh, at the moment, what's happening is that <clears throat> for the last two months, the Ukrainians have been making various uh, attacks, uh, which, which are, are labelled a kind of counteroffensive action that they're taking. But none of these attacks uh, have, 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 have succeeded. Uh, the Russians have beaten back, uh, back these attacks. Um, uh, the, 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 the costs the Ukrainians are huge. Are huge. Um, there was a report in the um, the Wall Street Journal the other day. Uh, no, Washington Post maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, saying that, that fifty thousand Ukrainians had lost one or more limbs uh, as a, on the battlefield. You know, for, for, for injury. Those kind of level of casualties. They're at the level of the First World War. The kind of casualties that, that Germany and France were experiencing uh, in the First World War. So, so you know, it's, it's getting in terms of the, the human misery, the human tragedy that costs. It's getting worse and worse every day. Was, in your view, was this war avoidable? Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, the the war began because, um, you know, Putin felt that uh, Russian security was uh, was threatened by NATO's expansion into Ukraine, by NATO's military build-up in Ukraine. He demanded an end to um, <clears throat> to that build-up, uh, and then he demanded, you know, demanded yeah, negotiations about <clears throat> a broader framework of security uh, that that would 
you know, look after the interests of, uh, of Russia, Ukraine, and 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 Europe and and the West in, ge- in general. But those demands, those uh, uh, you know, uh, proposals were were rejected. And in order to you know, to force Ukraine and the West to uh, accept his proposals or at least to negotiate seriously about them, he went to war. So that's where the war began. But then what happened then was that um, you know the West, in effect, the United States, no Western countries went to war with Russia, not directly, but in the form of uh, of, of this of this proxy war, and it's this proxy by war on on Russia by the West fought through Ukraine that's kept the war going all these all all, all these months. Uh, you know, if it hadn't been for um, the American and Western intervention uh, in this war, the war would have been over uh, long ago. There would have been some kind of some kind of settlement. and that's that's the real tragedy of the situation is that what's likely going to happen <clears throat> is in the end there is going to be um, a, a peace settlement it, yeah, which Ukraine will lose territory or it will. Had restrictions uh, placed on its on its sovereignty and and, and and independence, but those conditions will be far far worse, infinitely worse than they might have been had there been you know a, a serious negotiation before the war began, or indeed uh, a serious negotiation in in the early uh, you know weeks and months of the war. Yeah, talking with uh, Doctor Jeffrey Roberts, uh, Ms., uh, Professor Roberts, I, I read a piece that you wrote in uh, Responsible Statecraft in which you review. A new book, uh, The Russo-Ukrainian War, The Return of History. It's a very interesting review. Uh, Certainly, uh, I'd be curious as to your thoughts on this book. But I'm also curious about your thoughts about how this story is being told in the West in general. If you've, uh, you know, shows like this one, which try to offer a more nuanced uh, narrative about what's been occurring over the course of the last two years is, are actually pretty rare. It doesn't matter if you look at conservative media outlets, liberal re- media outlets. It, they all follow pretty much the same narrative, which is that uh, James, uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin is almost this uh, James Bond-style comic book villain, and he was hell-bent on Russian territorial expansion and beating up his neighbor, and that's why we're in this situation that we're in. I'm wondering if you can comment on how this story is being told in the West. Well, well, well as, you, uh, as you said yourself, there's been a very, very like, restricted, very limited discussion about, about the war in the West. I mean, basically, most of the coverage you find in the Western media, what you hear, what you see, what you read... Is essentially is essentially propaganda. It's not proper reporting. It's not it's not proper analysis. No, no, it's not completely true. There are some there is some good reporting. There is some uh, good analysis. And actually, in recent period, the, the reporting and analysis of the war has, has been get, getting better in the Western media because you know the reality of what is going going on is finally dawning, and you know the, the, the propaganda stuff is beginning to you know lose its uh, lose, lose its lose its credibility. Now, you mentioned the, the, the book review idea. Well, that was a review of a book by uh, Sergei Plocky um, about about the war. Plocky is a Ukrainian. You know, he, he has an emotional investment um, in this war for understandable reasons, as do a lot of people. And obviously, you know, that, that I think that affected his judgment as a historian about war, rather than standing back and trying to be as objective as he could, um, uh, you know, to, to you know, see the facts as they are, 
you know, critically assess the evidence, come up with some like um, balanced kind of judgments. I, I think he, he, you know, he got carried away by his own emotions and his own commitment to one side of the war, i.e., the Ukraine side. And I think that's true of a lot of uh, a lot of analysts and a lot of commentators uh, of the war. They've, they've been carried away by their own emotional commitment, their own wishful kind of thinking about what they want to happen in, in relation in, in relation to the war. And of course, you know what people like me are, are trying to do. You know, we, you know, we're trying to stand back from the conflict a bit, trying you know. You know, offer some you know, uh, objective kind of like assessment and comments on, on what, what's what, what's going on because we we need to be well informed about this war uh, because you know it, it impacts us on a lot uh, and you know and it's got a potentially catastrophic impact on on everyone um, because of course while this war goes on while the West is fighting this proxy war with Russia there is the ever present danger of some kind of escalation including to the, the, the level of nuclear weapon weapons use. Uh, you know, the, the threat of a nuclear war is far, far greater than it's ever been in, in, uh, in the history of the nuclear age. Talking with Dr. Jeffrey Roberts. Uh, Dr. Roberts, one of the things that's so frustrating to me about this war is that it does seem so meaningless in that Ukraine probably could not probably Ukraine could have kept all of its territory Except for Crimea, which is uh, almost entirely Russian and seems to want to be a part of Russia, it could have kept all of its territory post-2014 had it simply implemented the Minsk II Accords, but forces within Ukraine and elsewhere encouraged this this incredibly um, naive belief that Ukraine would get Crimea back. Then, when there was a similar peace deal in April of 2022, uh, authorities in the U.S. and U.K., people like Boris Johnson, they helped torpedo that deal. And that failure to implement the Minsk II Accords and the April 22 peace deal has led to the loss of even more Ukrainian territory. And my big question on this is why? Who benefits from any of this when Ukraine could have had almost everything it wanted peacefully without all this death and destruction, still probably had Russia as its greatest trading partner, and yet we've gone down a completely futile and needless path. Why does this happen? Yeah, that's a very uh, interesting and important set of questions, uh, Frank. Yeah, yeah. In 2014, Putin you know, and the Russians they seized uh, Crimea. I have to say that the Crimea has welcomed being seized by by, by by Russia. They wanted to be part of Russia. Most of them, not not part of Ukraine. Um, but you know, Putin could have seized the Donbass, could have seized parts of uh, eastern Ukraine as well. But he chose not to do so. He chose to support the Minsk agreements. And other than Minsk agreements, the insurgents in 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 the Donbass and eastern Ukraine, Donetsk and Lugansk, either that they would have given up their struggle and they would have been you know reintegrated uh, into the Ukrainian state, but on the basis of having quite a lot of uh, regional autonomy. And for years and years, Putin and the Russians, uh, I believe anyway, attempted to. Imp- 
implement uh, the um, Dominsk agreements. But, but you know, although they signed these agreements, the Kiev government, the nationalists in Kiev weren't really interested and didn't want to implement these um, uh, these agreements. And their Western allies, you know, did very little to try and persuade them uh, to, to actually uh, to actually do uh, to do so. Okay, so so then then we get we get the the, the outbreak of the war, the, the Russian invasion in February 2020, 2022. Uh, and as, as you mentioned, two or three months after the war, when the war was I'm just you know, getting going, you know, the casualties were you know, relatively small, you know, if you're talking about March and April 2022, uh, and that there were a series of negotiations um, in, in, in Istanbul um, about you know, bringing the war to an end. Um, it's essentially on the basis of, well, not, not on the basis of going back to the Minsk agreements, but on the basis of of actually restricting the territorial losses that Ukraine would have incurred as a result of war, but in return, you know, Ukraine would have had to agree to, you know, stop the NATO build up in its country and also to be, be a neutral state. But that, those talks failed. It's not exactly clear why they failed, but all the fingers are pointing out, you know, Western political leaders encouraging, advising the Ukrainians to um, to fight on rather than to accept this peace deal. Okay, so then what happens next? The war, the war continues, uh, and of course, you know, the Russians' territorial Demands increase because they're fighting the war. They're paying a, a huge cost. They're even more concerned about their their future security. So the situation we have now is that um, you know, Russia won't terminate hostilities until they have agreement that um, the, the four provinces uh, of um, Ukraine that they they currently occupy, most of them plus Crimea, will, will, will be part will, 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 will be part of Russia. That's the only basis on which there can be a peace in Ukraine. Okay, that that would be a very bad deal uh, for for the Ukrainians. It'd be very humiliating for the West and for NATO and for the Western leaders. But you know, the longer the war goes on, the more territory you know the Ukrainians are going to lose. The way it's looking at the moment, if the Ukrainians with Western help fight on, Russia is going to end up occupying you know the whole of um, eastern and southern Ukraine, uh, east of the the the, the Europe. Basically, you know, Ukraine uh, would would be a partition. State, there will be a rump state uh, left in uh, yeah, yeah, Western Ukraine, which will be completely on Western life support, uh, and will have very little freedom and sovereignty and 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 and, and independence. Uh, it will be in a terrible uh, situation. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, like that. Let's put it online and see what happens. Stage and the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout. Stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe. Stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that wait, did we just hit a million orders? Stage. <laughs> Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. So where do you think things go from here? I mean, it's clear both the United States or really the West at large and uh, Russia, the relations between those two entities are more hostile than at any time they've been in the last three decades. Both sides continuing to demonize the other and working hard to maximize the amount of pain and trouble that it causes for the for the other person. And when you're dealing with nuclear powers, I can't imagine that's a recipe for a productive and peaceful ending. Where do you see this going from here? 
Well, it, it, it's yeah, it, it's very difficult to be optimistic uh, about uh, where it's going. Um, nothing of significance politically or diplomatically is going to happen until this Ukrainian counteroffensive action uh, has played itself out, until it's seen to be definitively fouled, until you know, uh, you know until it's very clear that. that that Ukraine is fighting you know, a, a losing war with Russia uh, and a hugely costly war with Russia, and so it becomes clear that you know the West can't indefinitely um, you know, support Ukraine uh, in this uh, uh, in this military struggle. At that point, it's possible some political realism might begin to creep into the, the situation, and and you know there, there might be a possibility of um, of some kind of ceasefire, some some kind of um, uh, peace. A peace negotiation. So, you know, yeah, I'm hopeful that in the next couple of months or so, we will actually get a return, or not return, but actually the embrace of diplomacy, the search for, search for a peaceful um, uh, you know, uh, uh, solution uh, to the Russian-Ukrainian Russian-Ukrainian problem. I think one of the things that would be um, a very important factor in uh, encouraging a resumption of diplomacy and uh, you know the search for some kind of diplomatic solution will be the the role that can be played by you know the so the so called global south you know countries like china india brazil uh, south africa yeah but the, the, that part of the world who who have been very very um active in trying to promote diplomacy and trying to promote some uh, peace and i think that that that, that 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 the global south could be quite influential in encouraging both russia and the west to actually to, you know, to arrive at some kind of um, compromise about ending the war uh, and, and, and establishing some kind of um, state stable peace, a, a compromise which will may not be satisfactory to either side, but nevertheless, you know, a compromise that will bring to an end this kind of truly tragic uh, conflict. Right. Well, let's hope so. Dr. Jeffrey Roberts, uh, historian, biographer, commentator, author, his book, his latest book is Stalin's Library, A Dictator and His Books. Thank you for the time this morning, sir. Thanks very much, Frank. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.